Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to gather in your name to hear your wisdom and logic. And Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. You're the one that brings revelation of that wisdom and logic, which is your word. And we simply honor you in this place so we can receive what you have for us today. We are excited about what your word is going to speak into our hearts so we can be transformed on the inside. Father, I thank you that we're undoing the old and we're bringing in and planting in the new. May we understand that that is a process. And we're willing to go through the process. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. We started the series last week on... Uh, I don't know if we're going to call it taking the limits off of God or, or, take, or undo, you know, letting God out of your box. Uh, hopefully we, you, we can just get to the point where we don't have God in a box and He can just flow freely through our lives as He is supposed to. Jesus said, I've come to bring you life and life more abundantly. And there are several things in our life that keep us from letting our... Let me, let me ask you this way. Has anybody in your life ever heard about things about God and, and the Father and the way the Word's supposed to work, but not seen it manifest in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. See, God's not the problem. The Word's not, God's not a liar, and the Word is, is true. So the problem must dwell in us. And we may have some things like the disciples had. Like the children of Israel had, they had a mindset that limited God in the new covenant. They, they, limited, they had a mindset that was under the old covenant, and there was a new covenant. Matter of fact, Jesus told the Jews to repent. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, I'm going to stand over here, and this is just going to represent the old covenant. This is going to represent the new covenant. And so Jesus over here said, listen... You that were over here, repent. Change the way you think, because in this covenant, you have to think different. Over here, you related to God as God. Over here, you're going to relate, uh, relate to Him as Father. Man, I tell you, that's powerful right there. They had no concept of God being Father. Matter of fact, the first time Jesus called God Father, they wanted to kill Him. He'd already healed somebody on the Sabbath, and they were going to kill him for that. And then he cried out to God, his father, and they said, Oh, that's even worse. Let's kill him again. They were going to do it twice. Because the mindset of calling God father was so foreign to them. But it's those mindsets that limit God. We read a scripture last week out of Psalm 78 that said that the children of Israel literally, when they were in the desert and wilderness, tempted God and limited the almighty, all-powerful, awesome God to a little tiny belief system. That does not, that's none of us in here. So that's why we're talking on this series about limiting God because there are several things in our life that limit 
God. They keep him in a little tiny box. All this almighty, all-powerful, all-awesome, all-knowing, omniscient God that created the heavens and the earth, that lives and abides inside of us, is limited to what we believe. Your belief system is one of the first things that we're going to identify and address today that limits God in you. All right? So we started reading this last week in the book of Mark. There was a, a passage of scripture there in Mark chapter 8. We were reading. How many people were here last week? Okay. In Mark chapter 8, let's just go over this real quick. We started in verse 9, and it's talking about Jesus just got through uh, turning a bunch of bread into uh, more bread and began to, with a little bit, he fed multitudes. And this had just happened. He got into a boat, and then he went somewhere else, got out of the boat, and I, I like the way someone said this. I think someone said it last week. He got out of the boat and in two verses got back in the boat. He didn't stay long. You know why? He didn't like where he was at. I mean, you look at what happened here, but he had just got through healing all the, or bringing all this ministry and all this, this bread and, and met the needs to all these people with a little. He comes to a place and the Pharisees, and they, they wanted to see some signs and wonders, and he didn't like their attitude, so he got back in the boat. That's only two, two verses that took place. Got back in the boat, then he came to where the boat was going to the next time. Verse 13, he said, And he left them, and greeting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of of Herod and they reasoned again themselves saying it's because we've had we have no bread but Jesus being aware of it said to them why do you reason because you have no bread do you not perceive nor understand is your heart still hardened having eyes you do not see having ears you do not hear and uh, and do you not remember now We'll stop right there because we're going to go to uh, chapter 16 in the book of Matthew in just a second. But the things we pointed out last week, you notice when they, Jesus said, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And as soon as he said that, what was their response? Oh, he's mad at us again because we didn't bring any bread. Now, did they bring any bread? Yes, they brought bread. They brought one loaf. Well, he just fed, Jesus just fed thousands twice now with proportionally less than that so it wasn't about not bringing see what was their response their response when jesus began to teach them see jesus began to teach them a truth about being uh be uh to make sure they're aware of the leaven of the pharisees to beware of it because that is where their mindset had come from in the past that is the school of thought. That was the teaching that they had had in their past life. That was their history, was the leaven of the Pharisees. And what was the result of them having that thought pattern? Just like the rest of us have. Well, I didn't do enough. Jesus is mad at us. He's rebuking us because we didn't bring enough bread 
dang it, we failed again. But what Jesus said had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with his new teaching that he was bringing out. But they didn't receive his new teaching because they were so focused on their inability to perform. They were still looking at how they messed up in life or how they thought they had messed up. You understand? They, that even though Jesus had already performed two miracles of feeding thousands with a little, there's one loaf and there's only at least 13. 13 could have ate one loaf. But obviously Jesus could have made 13 loaves out of one loaf. He just made thousands of loaves out of one, you know, five and seven. So it wasn't about what their thought, their mind was about that they hadn't done enough. And I tell you, that, that, when I read that, I felt the cry in my own heart. How many times I, in my life, had heard a teaching, oh, there you go, picking on me again. It has nothing to do with you. It has, see, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ has everything to do about Jesus Christ and coming out of an old mindset. We have old thinking that has to be plucked out, has to be removed, has to be changed. Look over in the book of Matthew, the same story. It says a little less, it adds a little to this story. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 11. How is it you do not understand? I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let's stop that right there for a second. In between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Excuse me, let me change that. Stop, erase that. In between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 silent years. Does everybody understand that? Most people in church don't understand that. There's, let's do it this way. I'm stopping right here. This is where the Old Testament ends, and this is where the New Testament begins. The New Covenant doesn't begin until Calvary in the book of Acts over here. But in between, there's a period of time right in here called the 400 silent years. That's where God didn't speak for 400 years to his people. He was quiet. During that 400 years, around the year 200, so that means 200 years, uh, after 200 years went by of God not speaking, the children of Israel began to develop two sects of people, one called the Pharisees and one called the Sadducees. They weren't Old Covenant, they weren't over here in Old Testament. They began in the, around the year, the, the 200th year of this 400 silent year period of time. And they began to be developed because uh, of the influence of the area that the children of Israel were in, the Herodians and, and teachings like that began to influence the children of Israel and begin to affect the way the people dealt with the law of the Old Covenant. And to protect the law, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were developed to uphold the law, and they were strict regimented law. I mean, they were like the religious police. You know what I'm saying? They were there to uphold the law and shove it in your face, and, mm, you know, and so... That's how they all began, was during that 400 silent years. And, uh, and so Jesus says, beware of the, the teaching. I love what he says here. It says, 
uh, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 12 says, Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread. See, right there they got some revelation. Oh, you weren't talking about what we didn't do right. You're talking about what they're not teaching right. Wow, do you see that? It says, And they understood that he did not tell them, Beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Wow. See, there, there was a doctrine that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had started teaching and corrupting the mindset for 200 years up until the book of Matthew, or, or the time period where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written in the birth of Jesus Christ. And as we know, the very message, what was the very message which we've talked about for, for I know, three years here at the church? The very message, the first message that came out of heaven after 400 silent years was what we call here at the, at the rivers called the gospel of peace. There were shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And what, what, the, what was the message that was told to the angels? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. God had to do with the fear in the hearts of the shepherds. God had to take the fear out of Mary's heart. God had to take the fear out of Joseph's heart so the word could be placed in their hearts so they could receive, so they could have the capacity to receive the word. Because if your heart is heart and afraid, you're not going to receive what God has for you. Amen? So God declared peace in James 3.18, and I love this verse. James 3.18 says that... The, that uh, uh, the fruit of righteousness is planted in peace for those making righteousness. And so God wanted to create righteousness on the earth, so he developed peace on earth. And so in the old covenant over here, you had fear of God and law. And in the new covenant, you have peace on earth and grace. That's a beautiful picture right there. That God said, peace on earth from this point on, so I can now give you the word that is contrary to that word see here's the teaching of the pharisees and the sadducees here's a new teaching jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand the whole emphasis of what jesus taught all his life was about the kingdom of heaven that is on this earth not just the heaven in heaven but the heaven on earth and teaching us how to live and how to and, and that's where the power of god the scripture says it's no longer i that liveth but Christ that lives in me over here. See, God was only in between the wings of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant and in heaven and came down and visited. But over here, now he's in this Ark of the Covenant and he dwells on the inside of us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So we have all this power. We have the seed in fullness. Now we just need to let it out. We're going to find out how much of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees that we all have had in our lifetime. See, the disciples went to Bible school. They went to Bible school. We got some people here, go to Bible school. I went to Bible school. But you know, the Bible school that they went to taught them this. Do you understand that? The Bible school that the disciples went to and the children of Israel, all the children of Israel studied the Old Covenant. They went to Bible school in their own house. It was a religious activity. It was a religious duty. You could not live as a Jew without going to some kind of Bible school, if you want to call it that. 
They were about Old Covenant teaching. They were taught everything about the Old Covenant. And so they had to change the way they were thinking. They had to take this information and let the Holy Spirit bring in, make revelation out of it so they could be transformed on the inside. Transformation happens on the inside. All this happened over here was about change, not being transformed. And we'll get to that in a second. So let's read some more scripture. Uh, go with me to um, the book of Mark, chapter 9. Book of Mark. Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believe. Let me read it this way. All things are possible to him who believe. 23. So that tells me that all things are possible to him who believe. So where is the, is it the fact that, see, all things are possible if you can believe it. If you can't believe it, all things are still possible, but not to you. Can I say it that way? All things are possible, but the only ones to experience that are those that believe. God's already done it. The Father has already, the promises of God over here are yes and amen. They're already done if you believe it. If you don't believe it, it's already done. But you won't experience it. It won't be reality. Now, the last, the last thing we just got through talking about, the last series we did was on the, the, the seed being sown in us and experiencing or manifesting the reality or the promises of God, making those promises reality. And one of those things is to realize that there's a seed in it and what He's already done is already done. And we need to believe. So now we're going to talk about taking off those unbelief or that the teachings that we've had over the years that have caused us not to believe in an awesome, powerful, omniscient, mighty creator of the universe living inside of us. See, most of us have a belief system that even by me saying that says, yeah, but not in me. Right? How, don't raise your hand, but did anybody in here just, you know what I'm talking about. Well, he won't do it for me. He already did it for you, to him who believed. Even Mary said, well, how can this be? And angel said, the Virgin Mary said, how can this be? And what the Virgin Mary, uh, the angel said, all things are possible to God. But she had to believe. See, what happened? See, all things are possible if you believe. Now, all things are possible, all things meaning all things according to the word. Let's clarify that. Well, God's going to let me win the lottery. I believe it in Jesus' name. I'm going to go. We're well, not naming it, claiming it, grabbing it, blabbing it. We're not talking about that. Okay? We're talking about according to God's word. Okay? And, and I'm not saying, I say, we need to ask accordance with his will. So we, under, we need to understand what is the doctrine or the teaching that we need to be living under. Because obviously there's a teaching that these people had that had to change in their life. They didn't understand what they were needed. See, they believed this, and because they believed this, what did they get? Yeah. I don't want this. 
I want to believe this so I can live in the reality of this. If you're over here in this period of time in this dispensation and you're believing that, guess what you're going to live like here? That. It's that simple. But why should you live in that when you could live in this? It all goes back to your believing. Let's read some more scripture. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Watch this. This is the beginning of the book of, of Ephesus. Uh, well, I thought you said Acts. Yeah, we are in Acts, but this is, this is how the book of uh, Ephesus, or Ephesians began. This is taught Paul when he's at Ephesus. He's talking to about 12, pe 12 people at the time. We'll read that later on. It says, uh, verse 1, it says, and it, and it happened while Paulus was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples... He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's their response. So they said to him, We've not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And I can just see Paul being shocked. He's going, And he said to them, Into what were you baptized then? So they said, Into John's baptism. See, all they had heard was the doctrine of John's baptism. And what was the doctrine of John's baptism? Baptism for the remission of sins. And I know some of us have been told that the reason you get baptized is for the remission of your sins. You sound just like these people in the book of Acts that got saved. They heard a message about it. to be saved, you had to be baptized for the remission of of your sins and Paul is shocked because they had no idea what the Holy Spirit we've never heard of such a thing called the Holy Spirit see there's some denominations out there that don't tell their people about the Holy Ghost there's some denominations out there that tell their people oh that's of the devil let, 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 me say, let me say this out loud the Psalms 34 says I'll bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Man, that's a powerful verse. Why? Because it's saying, oh, magnify the Lord. See, if you have a doctrine or a teaching, if you were under a doctrine or teaching that said, God is not as big as he was back then, you've demagnified God. See, if you can magnify God, to, see, to magnify God, see, to magnify something, uh, I usually do it with sound, we're not going to do that though, but it says, if you magnify, if you, you can make something larger, like with a magnifying glass, you can make it louder, and you can make it mightier, you can crank up some power, I got a DeWalt drill, and I can, I, I can, if the harder, I mean, you can, you know what I'm saying? If you've got something that has an engine, you can crank up its power and get more power out of it. You can crank up volume so you can hear it louder. So loud that you can't even hardly stand it. You know? So you can make something larger, louder, and mightier when you magnify something. Well, the opposite is true. You can demagnify. If you can magnify, you can demagnify. So you can make something smaller, weaker, 
and harder to hear. Man, that sounds like a lot of people's relationship with Father God and Jesus. Well, I just don't hear God like I used to. Or that person over there always seems to be in tune with what God's doing, but I never see. You know why? Because that person probably is magnifying God with their mouth. They're probably magnifying God with what they're teaching and allowing come into their life. You know, they're talking about, they're seeing, and they're experiencing because they're magnifying God. You get what you behold. It's that simple. The more you behold God, the more you're going to get God. And David is saying in the Psalms, he says, I'll bless the Lord at all times, even the negatives. I'm going to bless God. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Man, right there, that is the secret of beginning to get the limits off of God in your life as you magnifying God in every situation. Take the opportunity to see God in everything that you're doing. Find God. See Him. Well, I just, I didn't, that's because you didn't look. See, I guarantee you, if you magnify God and then pray, you'll experience something. Verse 4 in that whole passage of Scripture says, Then I sought the Lord, and He found me. So you found God, or you were able to you you were able to start your journey after you magnified Him. I tell you, get the limits off of God in your life. Begin to magnify God in every situation, in every circumstance. And what we've learned in the past has limited God in the future. And if you want to unlimit God in your life in the future, you have to get rid of the past teaching that you've had. The disciples had to do it. Jesus went through this process. The scripture says as a child he grew and he learned in wisdom. He was reading the same thing everybody else read, but the Holy Spirit was teaching him things that they didn't understand. Matter of fact, I think this is so cool because what happened was Jesus told the disciples, he said, disciples, listen, there's things I want you to know because you need to know them about the kingdom of heaven, but you can't comprehend what I want you to know so I have to send the Holy Spirit to come and teach you or prepare you to teach you. You have to be paired by the Holy Spirit to receive what the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. It's just not going to come while you're at Six Flags riding a, you know, I used to call, is it still called the Big Bend or has that changed? Did I just date myself? Woo! <laughs> See, she knows what I'm talking about, the Big Bend. That was a long time ago. I mean, I was like... Wow. Oops. Is Six Flags still there? <laughs> Do I? Not in Houston. I knew that. My gosh. That was a good ride. You missed out, girl. Anyway. So we see right there. Look what it says here. And they said to him, Into what then were you baptized? So they said it into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John bapt indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who could, would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And they heard this. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Wow. See, they heard a different teaching 
that opened up a window to a whole nother way of living. And they didn't know that that window and the opportunity of live by speaking in tongues, prophesying, man, I tell you what, being filled with the Holy Ghost was even available because they had not been taught it. Was it available all that time? Absolutely. But they hadn't been taught it. So Paul became and taught them, and as soon as they heard it, they believed. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. See, that's what happens to us. As the moment we can hear, the moment you hear a new gospel, the moment you hear a doctrine that is about the kingdom of heaven, the moment you hear it, you can believe it and receive it. You don't have to wait 10 years. It's there for you today. You don't have to wait. The moment you believe, all things are possible to him that believe, including being filled with the Spirit, prophesying, and speaking in tongues. It's there for you. You may have come from a place that didn't teach it, but guess what? Either did they. They came from a place that didn't teach it. But does that mean what they were taught was right? No, it wasn't righteous. It didn't fit the kingdom of heaven on this earth. It fit this. It did not fit this. We first have to come to the realization. You first have to come into your life. You need to come to the... See, a lot of people come to church going, I know what I need to know. Bless God. <laughs> well, you brick. <laughs> Go ahead. Because what you know about God is going to get you what you got about God. You have what you have because of what you know. And if, if, if you've got that sour old look, well, I don't want to know nothing what you know about God. Please don't evangelize. Please don't go out and tell people about the God that you know with the, the words you got. Don't reproduce that. You understand? There, there's some people out there in the church, I, I hope they don't reproduce. I hope they don't go... Uh, you know, and reproduce their belief system because it's just, it's just wrong. It's unrighteous. What's the scripture say about grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of? In other words, if the knowledge that you have does not produce grace and peace, you have the wrong knowledge. Joy, can you go shut my computer off? It's jamming in there right now. I'm telling you right there. Now, now you know what's happening with the pastor in his office early on Sunday morning. He's in there like, just, just, just hit the mute button. I'm over here, what, what the, is that the angels or something? Y'all probably didn't hear that on this side, but there, I could every once in a while I see him going, is that the rest of the church in there? Sorry about that. Look over in the book of Mark, chapter 6. Hallelujah. Bad teaching. Look, look at this. This is what happened when Jesus went back to his own hometown. In verse 3 it says, Is this not the carpenter's son? The Mary, uh, uh, the, the son of Mary, the brother of James, James, uh, Okay, so Jesus goes back to his own hometown. He's already performed signs, wonders, and miracles. And because they did not see him in who he is, they saw him in who he was. Right? 
They had, they had unbelief in who he is. All right? It says, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could not do mighty works there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, excuse me, and he marveled because of their unbelief. So what was limiting them from receiving from Jesus? Their unbelief. How did Jesus overcome that unbelief? It says right here, and he marveled at the, uh, because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So right in that area where they knew him as Mary's son, he went around and began to teach the gospel of the kingdom. Teaching, you sitting and hearing a teaching that is based on the kingdom of heaven on this earth, the same teaching that Jesus taught, will undo the unbelief that is present in the church. It will happen naturally. It will happen easily. It will happen simply. It will happen without you even knowing it. You just hearing about how much God's done for you already, that the promises of God are yes and amen, will begin to destroy the mindset that we've lived under for all this period of time. Jesus had, before they could receive Him, He had to go around and teach them about Him. And as He taught, and what's the, what's the key thing about the Holy Spirit? is to teach. He came to teach us things pertaining to the kingdom. Jesus taught things pertaining to the kingdom. You need to hear. What you hear will help you eliminate your limitations of God. You have to hear. In the early church, they're about the apostles' doctrine daily. You know why they're about the apostles' doctrine daily? Because they were having to undo doctrines of Old Testament Scripture. They're having to undo the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had to undo it. They had to change the way they think. Paul said, I count all this as dung. I forget my past to gain Christ. And, and it, he even recognized the fact that it pleased the Father to separate him from this world and introduce him to another world of Christ in him, the hope of glory. Man, I tell you what. See, but in, until you know that, you can't change your belief system. Remember, all things are possible to them that believe. Salvation is unto them that believe. Is it to all men? Yeah, but you're only going to experience it if you believe it. It's already... Jesus is the Savior of all men. Already. He's... I don't know if you got that. He's already the Savior of all men. He's already done what He's going to do. He doesn't become your Savior. You don't make Him Savior. He is the Savior of all men. He's already done. You're not making Him. You're not adding. See, a lot of times over in this message, or in this mindset, you're asking Jesus to be part of your life. In this teaching, you're stepping into His. You're letting go of your life and stepping into His life. You're surrendering up. See, there's people that still 
li- tried to live in church to, in church them over here said well I asked Jesus to come into my life but I really hadn't seen what the church and all these preachers tell me that I'm supposed to be seeing you know why because you ask him into your life you didn't step into his that's a teaching that is not applicable this is a teaching that's applicable Jesus said, the life I came to give, I, uh, I came to bring you life and life more abundant. He didn't say I came to add to your life. He's not worried about self-improvement programs. Most people are learning in church self-improvement programs. I don't want to improve myself. I know me better than the rest of you. Trust me. I don't want to improve myself. I want the power of God coming through this vessel that's been made new. I don't want to be the same old old man I used to be. No, I want, you know what I'm saying? I, I've been transformed. I'm in the process of changing. Why do I want to, you see what I'm saying? I, listen, we all got hang-ups. Well, let go of them. Let go of your hang-ups, and you won't hang up. Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us and let us run the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who set be- the joy set before Him endured the cross. Man, that's good stuff. I don't care about me no more. I need to be about my Father's business, not mine. i tell you, one of the greatest things keeping people out, the, one of the greatest limitations in people's lives uh, of, of keeping God in a box is not understanding their calling. That you've got a purpose. That you've got a destiny. The no, one of the number one reasons people... This is how it works. See, evolution... You know why people believe and teach evolution? So they can live any way they want to. Because if you think you came from some immortal ooze some glob of glump somewhere, somewhere back in time, that glob of glumping mortal ooze began to had your face on it, and you developed from that immortal ooze or glob of glump or whatever you want to call it out of the cosmos, <laughs> that you just happen to be, that means that you have the privilege to just live however you happen to want to. But see, if you understand and recognize that you have a creator God that has purpose for you, that before the foundations of the world knew you by name and said, I'm going to plant them over there because they got a reason to be. And the reason they're living is not for them, but it's for me, for my good pleasure. See, if you understand, that's what it's calling of God says, make your calling and election sure, because once you know why you've been birthed on this planet. See, some of us have found our gift by accident, and you're happy in what you're doing. Some people are in your, doing what you're doing, and you're miserable. That's not your calling. You've done, you, you found something to do out of default. That just happens to be a place you found you could work. But it's not your calling. It's not your passion. Man. I tell you, and it's not your fault. Sometimes our parents, it's, it's your parents' fault you are the way you are. It's your fault if you stay that way. Okay? Blame your parents. Get over blaming your parents. Now blame yourself because you're old and you, you're in charge of your own self now, okay? It's your fault if you stay the way. Listen, some of our parents pushed us into stuff that we, didn't want, we weren't planned to go into. Some of our parents wanted us to live in a certain way so they could live by osmosis through, uh, through us so they could be happy with our life because they wanted to do 
They wanted to be successful, but they weren't. So they want their children to be successful so they can tie in, okay, I'm successful because my kids are successful. Well, you know know the greatest tragedy in life? Y'all need to write this down. The greatest tragedy in life. The greatest tragedy in life is being successful at something you weren't supposed to do. The greatest tragedy in life is to be successful at something you were never supposed to do. What a waste. What a waste of time, life, and energy. Oxygen. Yes, I'm successful. I'm the top of this, but I was never supposed to do it in the first place. Make your calling and election sure. Vision. See, we're, we're talking about taking the limits off of God. I'm getting ahead of my notes. We're going to talk about more of that next week. But what we need to understand is that, that what you hear, the doctrine you hear is going to affect what you believe. The doctrine, <laughs> Pam's over there. Uh-huh. The doctrine you hear is going to affect what you believe. That is so, if all you've ever heard is one thing, and this is what most people say. Well, my, my granddaddy believed it. My daddy believed it. So I'm going to believe it. <laughs> I didn't say that. Who said that? I didn't say that. Listen, I know you honor your granddaddy. I know you honor your daddy. But I'm glad Paul did not honor his daddy. He was willing to set what his daddy taught him aside so he could listen to his father. Man. So what you hear affect the doctrine you hear affects what you believe. Another thing is vision. We'll get into vision next week. We talked about hearing this week. Let's talk. Uh, I'll go ahead and you. Uh, if you if you understand your purpose, if you understand vision, we're talking about vision, making that vision, calling an election sure, writing it down, putting it on paper, so you know what you're called to do. That's going to help you uh, take the limits off of God. And go the direction you need to go. Let's read some more scriptures real quickly. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 says this. Now I love this passage of scripture. Uh, Jesus had just been tempted. He just, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 he says, uh, From that time Jesus began to preach... And to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus is talking to the Jews, and he's telling them to repent. means to change the way you think, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it goes on down there in verse 23, it says this. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. Wait a minute, where was he teaching? He was teaching in the places that were teaching this. Do you see this? He was teaching to Jews. He went into the place of the house of the Jews where they were teaching Jewish stuff. And he went into that house or that synagogue. And he said, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Here and now. He went into the churches that were teaching this and he went into the churches and taught them this. Isn't that cool? 
because they needed to change the way they think. Because their beliefs, what they believed was going to affect what they experienced. And Jesus wanted them, it's God's will for you to experience this, not experience that. Man, that's just good stuff. I mean, there, there are literally hundreds of examples like this throughout the Scripture. Look in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11. You got it quicker up on the more. Master just put my Bible down. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. Say the word rewarder. I tell you what, there are some people in the body of Christ and churchdom that believe God's a punisher. A lot of people in the body of Christ believe God is a punisher. You know why? Because they still see God as God. In the old covenant, God punished disobedience. God punished by death disobedience. They saw the fear and the wrath of God and the judgment of God. But wait a minute, what's it say? Must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder. That shocks a lot of people. There's some, I can look on some of your faces, you're going, it's a, you're going through mind warp right now. God is not a punisher. He is a rewarder of those, you know, all things are possible to them that if you believe that he's a rewarder, what are you going to get? It opens up the gate for you to diligently seek him so you can receive what he's already done. But if you believe, see, you, we need to understand that. As long as you see God as God, you'll see him as a punisher. The Father disciplines, but God punishes. Punishment is for the past. Discipline is for the future. That's why Jesus said, Our Father. He hung on the cross. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou... See, as long as you see God as God, you're going to feel forsaken. Jesus felt forsaken when he saw God as God. Did he not? That needs to sink in. Jesus felt forsaken when he saw God as God. But Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. But when he saw him as Father, he saw the safety and the security and the comfort. How do you choose to see God? See, some of your doctrines, some of your old teachings will cause you to see God as God and never as Father. Because of some of your old teachings and things you've heard in the past, the churches you've been involved with, you'll never see God as a, a, a Father that rewards those who diligently seek Him. See, are you going to diligently seek somebody you're worried that's going to spank you, punish, beat? Most of us don't even know what a true discipline is because our parents had no concept. Some of us old school people, you know what I'm saying? We didn't, we didn't hear those words, well, get in the corner. I mean, if you're over, if you're over 45, I don't know what, 
that you know, let's start going out the window after. If you're old school, you never got time out. It's come here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come here again and again and again and again. And some of that was into the form of abuse because they didn't understand what love and discipline was. And so now that when you go to God, you think you're going to get beat again. But oh, if you ever experience the love of discipline, you'll want that affection more often. You really will. See, as you see God as God, you'll worry about punishment. If you see Him as Father, you'll embrace the training, the discipline. I tell you what, it's a powerful thing to understand the love of God and not the fear. It really is. It really changed your life. Changed your life. All right. Let's go on. Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 16. I hope it's Mark. Mark 16, verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief. Notice he didn't rebuke them. He rebuked their unbelief. Later he appeared to the leaven, and they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Jesus told them that he was going to be risen. Jesus told them that he would rise from the grave. And people saw him, and they did not believe. Now what caused... What caused them not to believe? Bingo. Hardness of heart. Because of their hardness of heart, they did not believe the teachings of Jesus or the eyewitnesses that had seen it come to pass. They had unbelief, but what caused their unbelief? The hardness of heart. What causes the hardness of heart? The Scripture tells us that sin or the law will cause your heart to be so hard it won't receive the Word of God. Their heart was still so hard with a... See, they still had this way of thinking. Even though they walked with Jesus for three years, they still had a hard heart of unbelief. Wow. They still wouldn't receive what some people saw. They saw and they believed. But the disciples had a heart of unbelief Excuse me, they had, a, they had unbelief because of a hard heart. Wow. If there's anything you need to do in your life to help take the limitations off of God in your life, is surrender your heart and ask God, your Father, to give you a soft heart to Him. Pliable. Soft to Him. Soft. Be soft to God. Be hard against sin, but soft to God. Be soft to His new word. Be soft to the doctrines of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. 
the apostles' doctrine. Be soft to the epistles that's in the word. Be soft to the letters that Paul wrote. Be soft, be, be, be soft to that so you can receive it. Because if you're not, listen, if you're not soft to them, you're not going to receive them. The law will keep you from receiving Paul's letters. It's that simple. Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Book of Romans. These are all Paul's letters. And if you read these, man, you're like, some, some pastors never even teach out of those because they, they teach more out of the history. They got such good history of the, the Jews and it sounds real good in their teaching. But you need about the apostles' doctrine daily, hearing what they've got to say in the word about who you are in Christ, Christ in you being the hope of glory. And you need to open your mouth in every situation, giving glory to God, magnifying Him. Stay soft to God. Stay soft to God. What's the scripture say about sin? We were talking about this last night around the table. Sin wars against your soul. It doesn't war against God. God's already dealt with your sin problem. It doesn't make God mad at you. It makes you mad at you. Your sin wars against you. It doesn't war against God. Your sin will cause you to separate from the people that can help you. Amen? If you ever find yourself sinning, you, go, That's, you start sinning a lot, you quit going to church. What's that sin do? It separates you. Because there's a law inside of you telling you that you're not good like them. Get rid of that law, you realize that the rest of us are probably sinning too. <laughs> but we don't let that sin determine our identity we get our identity from him that helps us overcome sin instead of letting sin have dominion over us because when you start making decisions because of sin in your life is the moment when sin is controlling your life man someone needed to hear that quit someone in here i just feel like this is a word of knowledge for somebody you're about ready or you've been making a decision in your life based because of the sin in your life and it will be a mistake every time quit it quit making decisions because of the sin start making decisions because of the goodness that's within inside of you quit being sin conscience be Jesus conscience because as long as you're sin conscious, you know what happened? Perfect example of being sin conscious. Judas betrayed Jesus. He felt remorse and guilt and went out and hung himself. He thought he could pay the price for what he did. If he just would have waited, Jesus was about ready to pay hang himself for that sin wow most of you most of us try to pay the price for what we've done by separating ourselves beating ourselves and feeling sorry because that's what we're told repenting is that is not repenting that is called remorseful and Judas was remorseful and went out and killed himself I hope you're not remorseful for sin that's a lot, but you never heard that before. I do not want you to be remorseful for sin. 
Because if you're remorseful for sin, you're going to get what Judas got. I don't want you to be sin conscious. I want you to think about what he did for your sin. He forgave you. He freed you. He liberated you. And empowered you to overcome it with victory. Amen. Listen, people, God is for you and not against you. His ways are for you to prosper and to be in health. The promises of God are yes and amen. Everything He's done is finished in heavenly places. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is already accomplished for you. Everything is possible to him who believe. Man, do you believe that God's ways are for you and not against you? Well, that's hard for some. Do you believe that God's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him? Do you believe that all you have to do is ask the Father in His name and it will be done for you? Man, you start looking at how these words. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins, past, present, and future? See, if you believe that, you would quit paying the price for them with guilt. And remorsefulness. And you'd set your sin behind you and overcome them. Because you're a king's kid. Man, your identity. See, God doesn't even look at you according to what you do. He looks according to you at what Jesus did. He sees you according to what Jesus did. Man, everybody's worried about the Antichrist. I don't care about the Antichrist. The only Antichrist I've worried about was the one that was inside of me. Because I tell you what, a lot of us have more antichrist in us than we do in favor of Christ. A lot of doctrine we have is antichrist. I'm going to choose to magnify the Lord. Let's stand up. All those that want to magnify the Lord. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His soul, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me.